0: There we go. Uh, Over the the last few weeks, maybe the last three weeks or so, we've been looking at one of the Psalms. Uh, About three weeks ago, I think it was, we were looking at Psalm 46. Uh, which begins, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and form, and the mountains quake with their surging. That was Psalm 46. Uh, and then we looked uh, also at Psalm 8 a few Sundays ago, talking about our identity as believers who am I uh, and with those great verses when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars which you have set in place what is this man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him you made him little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour and, and these tremendous words concerning God as well and concerning the believer that God how majestic is your name in all the earth to give him the glory and the praise Then last Sunday I changed my sermon (laughs) and we spoke about Psalm 73 and the theme there was is it worth it all when the pagans and all those that don't believe in God are having such a good time and they're not as uh, unwell and they're more prosperous than we are and the psalmist seems to be asking is it worth it all believing in God and then comes that wonderful verse, verse 17. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God and then I understood their final destiny. It's an amazing verse. You just couldn't understand why they were doing so well. And then God gave them a picture of their final end, of that day when they would meet their maker and they would be brought up before the king as to how they had lived their lives to a lost eternity it would be. So I thought we'd have one more psalm today. And this psalm will keep us going for the rest of the day. It's Psalm 119. (laughs) (laughs) Now you may not know. (laughs) You may not know, but Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. I'll tell you a story about Psalm 119. T.H. Spurgeon tells this story. There There were two people who had a famous name. And the name that it had was called George Wishart. If you know your, uh, your, your history of uh, Christians in Scotland, you know that George Wishart was actually burned at the stake for his faith. A tremendous man of God. It was at Albert and St Andrews that he was, he was uh, sacrificed. He was burned at the stake as a real, real Christian. But there was another notorious character. Also a bishop. He was a bishop called George Wishart. And he was not in the same league as the first one I was telling you about. He was not a a good Christian man at all, but he was going to be burned at the stake. But you know this, anybody burned at the stake was given the opportunity to have a psalm read. Guess what the second one chose? Psalm 119. And you'll never believe this, by the time it was finished, he got off. Somebody had won his case and he was not burned at the stake. Psalm 119. Well, you'll be glad to know we're not going to read the whole of Psalm 119. But there are wonderful passage we're going to look at today and that's from verse 105. So if you can find Psalm 119. And I also need to tell you this about Psalm 119. It's got the whole of the Hebrew alphabet in it. That all these sections have a title there which is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Unknown to you in your English version that each verse has, starts with the word of that Hebrew alphabet. You can't see it in your English version, but you'll maybe see at the beginning there is Aleph. You see that there? The first part of Psalm 19? Well, that's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Every verse in Hebrew Bible starts with that letter. And it's the same all the way through. It's a kind of acrostic on the Hebrew alphabet. But we're going to be reading from Psalm 119, verse 105. That section that starts with the word none. Okay. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed that, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much, preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth, and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever, they are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end." and God I'm sure will bless his precious word to all of our hearts let's just bow in a moment's prayer Lord we want to thank you, we want to praise you for your tremendous word and we want you to speak into all our situations here this morning Lord and we give you thanks Lord that you are the one who created the heavens and the earth how majestic is your name in all the earth And as we remember our own needs, our own situation, Lord, we remember the needs of our nation at this time. And we pray for a nation that will return to the word of God, a nation in Scotland, the land of the book. May that be true again. And we pray, Lord, too, for the laws of the land that are being passed in these days. That they might be righteous laws, that they might be led by the word of God, by those who make them. And so we pray for all these areas of difficulty, whether it's assisted suicide, whatever it might be, that you would shed your light, the light of your word, and all these decisions that are being made. And we pray, Lord, for those who are unwell, that were known to us, those, Lord, who are dying, those who need to know your comfort and strength at this time. Lord, will you come alongside them, those that are known to us, and rest your hand of healing upon them we pray Lord for those who are having times of depression when there's a dark cloud over them and they just can't see a way through we pray on their behalf that that cloud might be lifted and they would just have wonderful experiences of your presence in their lives we pray for those who are serving you further afield, we remember Chris and Karen as they make themselves ready to go to Africa on Tuesday we ask you to supply every need and to be With them, and we pray for Hazel too as she makes her way abroad in a few weeks' time. We just commend these folks to your love and grace, and we thank you for the gifting that they have and for all the opportunities that you will give in some other field of the world. So bless your word to us now, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, and forgive us all our sins. May we approach your throne with clean hands and a clean heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to look at a tremendous verse this morning of Scripture. It's one that I was taught at Sunday school, and perhaps that's been your experience. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. You're almost going to quote in the King James Version. "Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's a tremendous verse of God's word. And there are some things that lie in the background to that verse. And I want to share three of them with you this morning or this afternoon. There's something about this verse that presupposes something to be true. And the first thing, next slide, thank you, is that what's in the background here? That the world without Christ is in darkness. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't know what it is about our house. Which is opposite Hugh and Lizzie's house. But something about two or three houses, we get power cuts. Across the road, they call Patricks. ...are in bright light. <laughs> there's something about that wee row of houses there... ...and I think it happens sometimes at Christmas... ...at Christmas or New Year, I can't remember... ...we, we had Sarah in... ...because she was on her own next door... Uh, ...and there's something, two or three times in a year... ...we get power cuts... ...and across the road, they're in bright sunlight. But you know, there's these power cuts that we have... ...this darkness... ...it isn't real darkness at all... ...we get the candles out and we have a good time. Have you ever been in a cave... Have you ever experienced real blackness of darkness? It could be a frightening experience if you're on your own. You could find yourself if you were further into the cave and not so near the entrance. You would be groping to find your way. You would be groping, you'd be wondering if you're going to kick into some rock or something or hit some wall. Such is the blackness of the darkness that you find in caves. I think that makes us appreciate very often those people who are really blind, who are completely, totally blind, and just can't see anything at all. And no wonder the Bible uses darkness to describe the world outside of Christ. It's a favorite theme in John's Gospel. Listen to this verse from John 1, 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Or some versions have, the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't that good news? He is the light of life, but this darkness of the world has not been overcome, cannot overcome the light of Christ. I think that's really good news. Then John twelve thirty five and 36 says, Jesus told them you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before the darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of the light. And it seems that we have been bombarded with signs of darkness in modern Britain. There's all kinds of things going on just now. I just read the, the report in the paper just last week there about this atheistic camp for children. It's really terrible to think of what they've been trying to do. Of course, uh, Richard Dawkins has put some money into that as well. There was only one girl, it said in the newspaper report, whose grandparents were Christians. And she wanted, the grandparents obviously wanted the influence of Christ on that young child's life. But the parents wanted them to think things for themselves. And you can tell where they're going. Because during this week of camp, they have this thing called two unicorns. I wouldn't be surprised if that's meant to represent the father and the son. And these children have a book. And they've got to prove that these two unicorns don't exist for the rest of the week. And you can just see where all that's coming from, can't you, along the way. But praise God in the same article in the Times newspaper is another report of the Christian camps that are going on over a hundred Christian holiday camps for children where they'll be taught not the free spirit as they said in the title but about the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? But side by side they had the two articles and I was really pleased about that along the way. This is the kind of thing, the darkness of modern Britain, the kind of things that are going on this thing about the Word of God in Glasgow being defaced. And sometimes we think that there are certain lights that we have in our nation. It's a bit like the streetlights. Every so many yards, or I'm not into meters, but any, so many yards, there's these streetlights. And they are fixed. But it seems like somebody has moved them or put them out. And they're not fixed along the way. And what we're finding is you, you need to take your lamp with you. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path that lamp has got to go with us and thank God there's this glorious gospel that's coming forth and there is light for the way that Jesus is the light of the world. and the Bible wants us to see the reality that when we were first trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior it wasn't that we came from a, a dim light to a bright light folks we came from darkness Into his marvellous light. It wasn't the fact that we came from a dim light to a bright light. It was out of darkness. And that word darkness is not a word just for people who were bad before they met Christ. It's a word for all of us. In fact, the testimony of the Ephesian believers in Ephesians 5.8 is true of all of us. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. It's good to have the illumination of science. It's good for all the things that we can learn about the universe through the exploration into space. It's good to have the illumination of great thinkers who go to some of these foreign countries and negotiate in some of the most difficult circumstances, trying to bring peace between warring factions or or warring countries. It's good to have these great minds. But you know this, we have to recognise that such knowledge does not bring spiritual light. It's the Word of God that does that. It's the light of Christ that does that. That great knowledge of science, that great knowledge of the great thinkers is not going to bring the spiritual light that we need in our world. And there's something else about this, this verse and about the back in the second slide, thank you. Not only does it tell us, tell us about the darkness of the world, that presupposes there's darkness that needs illumination, but also the feet and the path presume that we're going somewhere. That we're really wanting to move on with God. That we want to move from where we are into a deeper experience with God. That's the assumptions being made, that these feet on the path, they want to move on in the faith. So if you don't intend to move for God into all he has for you, you don't need your feet on the path. Some of you may have heard of Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mention it once or twice today. You remember Pilgrim when he came down that hill, he got rid of his burden and he, he was given new clothes, he got the scroll on his hands and he's really going for the celestial city and he meets three characters. And they're just lying there by the path, half asleep. And he's trying to wake them up. And if you're not going on that path, you're you're lying there, you're half asleep and you're not really moving for God. But this verse here is for those who really want to move for God. Their feet are on the path and that 's the assumption that we we have to make it, and one of the wonderful things that we find here is this wonderful psalm psalm sixteen and verse eleven says, "You have made known to me the path of life. you fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand that 's how different it can be instead of lying there half asleep by the path, not moving any further in your face psalm sixteen eleven says lord you 've shown me the path of life." At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I'm really going to move on with you. Is that, the, is that the thought in your heart today as you think of the story of the, of the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your feet? I really want to move for God. You've shown me Lord the path of life and you keep showing me that path. And I keep wanting to move in your direction. So as well as acknowledging that we have been brought out of darkness into his marvellous light, we see here the need to move along the path of life which the Lord has shown us and will continue in the sun. as show us. In a sense, we need not just a map. Now I know that we think of the word of God as a map. The trouble with a map is when you get a map or I get a map, we can map out our own journey our own direction as to where we're going it's not just a map we need it's a guide we need somebody to actually walk with us who will determine the direction of travel not just a map that we can put into our own hands and make up our own way of going to that destination but somebody who really walks along with us and that's what we have in Christ He wants to walk that path with each one of us. That one who determines the direction of travel. There's a third thought about this uh, direction here, the background to it. The lamp is to show up where the problems are. The lamp is not there to show up how beautiful you are. (laughs) And you may be beautiful. I don't really know. Well, you do Yeah. <laughs> Some of us look in the, wonder, in the mirror and wonder. But the lamp is not there to show up the beauty of your clothes or the beauty of your personality. It's to show up where the problems are. Where you're putting your feet. And that's so important to realize. Uh, And you'll see in in Psalm 57 and verse 6, They spread a net for my feet, I was bowed down in distress, they dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into themselves. And actually that same psalm, that section that we read this afternoon from Psalm 119, it talks there about the feet being in a pit and all the things that were lying before the psalmist. And we have to realise that there are all kinds of moral and spiritual problems that lie ahead. And we need to know what is the right way and what is the wrong way. And this lamp for the feet is to show up where the problems are. How to keep our feet from slipping. That's Psalm 73 that we looked at last Sunday. Uh, has the psalmist saying, you know this? He says, my feet had almost slipped. Because of all these unchristians and because of all these pagans having such a good time, I nearly lost my faith my feet had almost slipped, and this psalm is telling us here that there's a lamp to our feet and that lamp is there to show us where the problem areas are how to avoid these problem areas and the other thing about the lamp is simply this it's not a searchlight; it's not going to illuminate the path for years to come and I'm so glad about that that God doesn't show you everything that's going to happen way up ahead I, I couldn't handle that But there's light for the next step. There's light for the next step. And that's so important, isn't it? It's not a search light that's going to show the path for years to come. It's not for the unknown way. It's light for the known way. The step ahead of us for the next step. I was listening to Baroness I can't remember her name she was on the, the radio and she was speaking about um, this assisted suicide thing that was coming that came through the Lords first of all and this woman is she ill or she not she was to die when she was an infant I don't I couldn't remember the name of her trouble it's not I'm sure it's not motor neuron disease which is really very difficult but this woman She was to die in infancy. She's got the kind of complaint, if she takes an infection, she nearly dies of choking. She's 50 years of age. And she's come through all that illness, all that terrible thing there that she's come through. And almost at death's door so many times because of this particular illness that she had. She is the one that stood up in the house of the lords, and said... I don't believe we should go down this road of assisted suicide. I have survived and I don't even know what's up ahead. And because, and sometimes she had to stop and take a breath to be able to speak. She said to them there, I don't think we should go down that road. And so they said in this interview to her, "Um, your influence caused them to vote against that by 50 odd votes. And they said, but what about other people who feel that they want to take their life because they're terminally ill? She said, I would say this to them, don't fear what you don't know up ahead. Don't fear the unknown. I've got a faith, she says, but don't fear what you don't know up ahead. And there's a, tr- a truth coming through in this psalm. Um, here is light for the next step. It's not talking about the unknown that's up ahead that we could fear and don't even know what's going to be happening. But here is light for the next step. And I found that tremendously helpful to hear what she had to say. There's a sense in which this lamp to the feet is not to reveal the unknown future, but the light for the known way. These truths then, I think of the background. Maybe I could just highlight the three of them again, Sandra. The world without Christ is in darkness. The feet in the path presume that we're going somewhere. And the lamp is to show up where the problems are, to give the light for the next step as well. There's three things, other thoughts I want to share with you. Number one is this I. We need the mind enlightened. The Lord wants to enlighten our minds. And that's really the summary of that word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. We need to have our minds enlightened. That just when we think things are fixed and we know where we're going spiritually and morally, the light goes out as we said there and we find ourselves in difficulty. Isn't it wonderful in Pilgrim's Progress, he has the book in his hand. And he's saying to himself, I can't go back to that city of destruction. And so Evangelist says to him, do you see that light up yonder? Do you see that gate? That's what you've got to make for. And we have this moral compass. Not the moral compass of Gordon Brown's parents. my father was a minister. It's the moral compass of the word of God. That's what we've got to stick by. And that moral compass is there. There's a battle for the mind that needs us to carry the lamp by our feet. That's so important. And there's ample moral and spiritual guidance in the Word of God. Now folks, let me just make it quite plain. There's not a verse for every choice that we need to make. You won't get a specific verse for every choice in life. God has given us common sense. He's given us the advice of other Christian people who are far bane with the Lord, if I can put it that way. He's given all these things with ample teaching in the Word of God to enlighten the mind as to the moral and spiritual choices that we need to make. Not every decision in life has found a verse for that. I had a friend, I think I've told you before, he was at BTI, the Bible College. Before it was ICC, it was the BTI or the Bible Training College. And I, when I was there, this friend said, I knew I had to come to to Glasgow. I looked up the Bible and it says, go north. He came from London. (laughs) Go north. (laughs) The Bible is not like that all the time. You just fling open the Bible and put your finger on a verse and lo and behold you've got some kind of direction. But there's common sense, there's the advice of others, there's all kinds of things along the way and the Bible is that kind of book. I discovered in my study of Psalm 119 that I mustn't stop At verse one hundred and five, all the years of my ministry, all the years I've preached on this verse, I've stopped there. But I was on the internet recently, and there's a a minister there who's retired now from Dudley Baptist Church, bless his heart, and he just gave me these three wee thoughts. The mind needs to be enlightened. I I just took that on board that God wants to, and here's the second one: we need to have the will enlisted. This is the thoughts of this older pastor now retired. And he took us to Psalm 119, verse 106. If you have your Bible open at that, there's a tremendous verse. What does it say? I've taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. Not only do I need the mind enlightened, this man says, but I need the will to be enlisted. I need to be able to say, I will, Lord. And I want you to confirm it in my heart. I will follow your righteous ways. I'll confirm it. I'll make an oath. We don't make an oath today, but we say, I'll make a commitment. I'm going to follow in your ways. How many people take that a step further to this second stage? I've taken and, oath and confirmed it, that I will follow in your ways. And it makes me ask the question, what kind of light, what light do you have? And sometimes it's not the amount of light that should be the question in our minds, but are we following the light that we have at this moment? Not the light you may think that you need to have for the rest of the journey. But the light that God has given you. Are you following his righteous ways? Have you said, Lord, I will. I'm confirming it. I'm committing myself to it. I'm really going to go for it, Lord. There's that enlisting of the will. And that's quite important, that's really important. And somebody said this, and forgive me, it maybe sounds a bit morbid, but have a wee think about this. Somebody said this, We must be doing daily what we wish we had done on our deathbed. That sounds morbid, doesn't it? We should be doing daily what we wish we had done on our deathbed. Perhaps there'll be people on their deathbed and saying, "I wish I had given them more. I wish I'd done this. I want that." And this writer says we should be doing daily what people wish they had done when they come to that moment of going to their Maker. And yet, there's so much to be thankful for. God has given us so much. He's given us the ability to read the Word of God. He's given us the ability to read Christian books. There's so many helps along the way. Adele gave me this book on the prayer of Jabez. It's been given out to you. I see has got it now. You'll need to borrow it. Uh, and it's a tremendous book, the prayer of Jabez. And it's blessed my soul so much. I, I read it in one day. It's, it's the kind of book you can read in one day. And that's a tremendous thing that God has given us these wonderful books that we can read. Wonderful Christian writers who can help us on their way. And we need to be saying, Lord, I will follow you. This is not just a a something in the the mind. This is my heart responding to that. I want to confirm it, Lord. I want to commit myself to it. The mind needs to be lightened. Somebody said this, verse 106 is verse 105 put into action. Verse 106, this one here, is the previous verse put into action. How much do we need to know before we enlist our will. What further knowledge do you need before you need to say, Lord, I will be baptised. I will commit myself to Christian service. I will listen to your instruction and the things that you're saying to me. How much more light do you need? Is he not your saviour? Is he not the one who died for you? Is he not the one who gives you the light of his word of God? How much more light do you need before you can say, Lord, I I really, I will do it. I will commit myself. I will be baptised. I will move on in my Christian faith. The mind needs to be enlightened. The will enlisted. But I made another discovery from this old minister. And he said, you need the next verse. And the next verse says, we need the heart enlivened. A word that I would use, but it fits in really well. The heart needs to be enlivened. And this word preserve, in that verse there, it says, preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. That word preserve is rich it means a number of things it means renew my life revive my life or the maybe in the new england the new translation you may have here restore my life my life according to your word it's a word about revival it's a word about renewal and this old preacher says yeah you need the heart enlivened You need the heart to become alive with the Spirit of God. That's a powerful word that is said here. That word preserve is so important. And yet, what do you find in that scripture there in Psalm 119, 107? Does it not talk about affliction? The affliction that we find in the scriptures. It says there in Psalm 119, 107, I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. I've had affliction, Lord. And here's an important truth for you today. Affliction need not hold you back on your spiritual progress. Affliction does not need to hold you back on your spiritual improvement. Have we ever said, well, when I sort out all these things that are happening to me, it'll be okay with you, Lord. Affliction doesn't need to do that. There's a wonderful old hymn that I've had in my my heart. I can't just recite it all by heart. But I've had it in my heart for many, many years. And it says this. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labours increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy to multiplied trials is multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed as the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. His love has no limit, His grace has no measure, His power no boundary known unto men, for out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth, and He giveth, and He giveth again. Affliction does not need to hinder our progress. The wonderful thing, the Lord loads us with grace for each affliction. Is that not true? The Lord loads us with grace for each affliction. Let me just close with Paul's verse in Second Corinthians 4.16. He says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day outwardly we're wasting away but inwardly we're renewed day by day and so this old preacher now retired to says this we need the mind enlightened your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path he says we need the will to be enlisted because it says in 106 I've taken an oath, I've taken a promise and confirmed it. I will follow your righteous ways. And we need the heart to be enlivened, to come alive by God's Spirit. Because it says, preserve my life, restore my life, renew my life, revive my life, O Lord, according to your precious word. Isn't that a powerful passage in the Psalms? Psalm 119, 105, 106. 107. I used to stop at 105. I've moved further in my ministry. (laughs) There's more yet to learn. And don't forget these wonderful, wonderful truths. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's just have a prayer. Gracious God, we want to thank you for these wonderful psalms that teach us so much. And we just pray, Lord, today for the mind to be enlightened there's a battle for the mind today and the devil wants that to win that battle but we thank you Lord there's a lamp for our feet to show us where the problems are and to stop our feet from slipping we ask loving God too that you will just help our will to be enlisted may we say today I will sort things out with you Lord I will sort things out with those that I've wronged. I will follow your steps and follow your righteous ways. And Lord, will you just revive our hearts again that we might rejoice in you once more. Revive your work, even in this place. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.